In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. Um, I am happy to be bringing back a guest that I had on a while ago. His name is Travis Breeding. And Travis, um, the reason that I'm having Travis on the show today is because um, the topic that I want to talk to you about today is, you know, on the anniversary of Sandy Hook, which was tragic. You know, 20 children and six adults lost their lives a month ago and you know we're remembering them and we're honoring them and uh travis came to me shortly after that tragedy when everybody was hooting and hollering and screaming and yelling about the shooter and i'm not even gonna say that jerk's name okay i'm gonna stand up right now because let me just say something else this morning there was a stabbing in a local high uh, middle school to meet to where I live. Um, my kids would, you know, be living in that area if we hadn't moved to where we are now. And I'm sick of hearing the culprit's name. I'm sick of giving them the fame and the attention that they want. We need to stop it. We need to talk about the victims. We need to talk about healing. We need to talk about getting better. We need to talk about stopping the violence. We need to talk about courses and classes and all kinds of educational programs that we can provide to adults as well as kids to stop the violence. But stop giving these people attention. It's what they're doing it for. And the fact of that the media and grown-ass adults can't figure that out just baffles my mind. Stop talking about these nutbags because that's what they want. That's why they do it, okay? So I'm not going to mention the kid's name that shot up Sandy Hook Elementary School. But what I am going to say is people tried to blame Asperger's and autism and all this other stuff for what happened. The fact of the matter is it was... The way he was raised, it was the weapons that he had access to. Face it, it was the weapons that he had access to. And it was the fact that nobody bothered to pay attention to what was going on in this kid's life and get him the help that he need. It it wasn't Asperger's. It wasn't autism. It was ignorance. And it was apathy and it was fear and it was all those other things that go into making someone mentally deranged enough to want to kill people okay that was the problem so i decided that i wanted to have travis on today because shortly after that horrible tragedy happened travis wrote an article and it was called why is it always the nice guy 
And I helped him out with this article. It was well written. It was coming from the perspective of a man who has Asperger's himself. And it was it was an eloquent article. It was a little bit wordy, but you know what? It was the guy regurgitated everything that he needed to say into one piece and it was important and it was relevant and it needed to be heard. And we submitted it to a lot of different outlets and nobody would publish it. And you know why they wouldn't? Well, first of all, some of them just flat out ignored it. The other people that came back that wouldn't publish it said things like, it's too soon. It's too harsh. It's too long. It's too personal. Too bad. It needed to be heard. The fact is, the things that Travis had to say in that article were in defense of people with Asperger's, which we don't want to do. You know, we want to control the kids and we want to control the disorder, but God forbid we control guns, you know. So it wasn't written for the families of Sandy Hook. Those people were suffering and they needed to be consoled and they needed to be held and they needed to be understood and comforted. That article wasn't written for them. It was written for everybody else out there who said, punish the parent, punish the student, punish the school, punish the system, but don't punish the gun owner. You know, punish the people who are medicating these kids, but don't take away mass, you know, weapons of mass killing. You know, don't take away my semi-automatic weapon that I absolutely don't need. You know, change the policy, but don't change the Constitution. Change the way we teach our kids, but don't change something that was written 200 years ago and has no relevance today at all whatsoever. I'm sorry, buddy, but if you have an arsenal in your basement, you are not a well-regulated militia. You are a crazy individual with too many guns. So anyway, here's the truth. What we need is we need social skills training. It doesn't need to start or stop at the school level. It needs to start and stop at it needs to start in the home and it needs to stop when you die because everybody on this planet needs social skills training. Adults can benefit from it just as much as kids. Actually, I think more so because I think we're perpetuating the violence in our homes when we start having adult conversations in front of our kids that they can't understand. They don't have the maturity level to to absorb and, and compute what we're saying to them. So they think that if they're being bullied, which we talk about way too much, they think if they're being bullied, the answer is to go stab somebody or shoot somebody. Okay, so I have Travis on the show today because I Travis and I are working together on social skills, training, speaking engagements, books, all kinds of stuff to get people to understand that this isn't just a mental disorder. This is a parenting problem, this is a social problem, and this is a weapons problem. So now that I'm done with my rant, I want to welcome my guest, Travis Breeding. Hey, Travis, thank you for joining me today. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, how are you? (laughs) I feel like I can breathe now. I had to get that out, Travis. Oh, my gosh. Right, right. (sighs) So tell me about... Your article, um, why is it always the nice guy? What what prompted you to write that title of an article? I mean, basically, just like life experiences. Um, it's just um, every time. The sad thing is, is every time you hear after these events happen, after these tragedies, you hear them interview people, and they're supposedly they're finding their friends and interviewing the shooter. You know, the uh, the person's friends who did the shooting and they um asked them well what, what did you know about him you know 
things like that. And every time, every time they say, well, he seemed like a nice kid, but I haven't seen him since like middle school, you know, or, you know, years and years down the line. And the problem with nice is what that tells me, if all you can say about someone and they're supposedly their, your friend, all you can say about them is that they're nice. That means you don't know them very well. Um, and absolutely, what it comes down to is actually, you know, the word nice in general, it's, it's not a connecting word. Nice doesn't connect people with anyone. Um, and when you actually look up the word nice in the dictionary, um, you find words like predictable, boring, convenient, um, things like that. <laughs> and so you really have to, we really have to look into what the concept of the word nice, um, because it's kind of a misleading term. Not mis- I mean, it's not bad, but nice alone by itself isn't going to build friendships or help people connect. Um, like when you think of your best friend or your husband or wife, um, the top two or three qualities that you list probably isn't going to be nice. <clears throat> exactly. I didn't marry my husband because he's nice. <laughs> right. You know, and, and it totally relates to, you know, your life in every area because when you think about it, I mean, think of the things that happen, but like, I mean, as a guy, I've heard it, and I don't know, I know girls can say it, but for the phrase, you're such a nice guy, but, you know, um, um, ouch. or nice guys finish last. I mean, it's kind of, we, we kind of treat it like it's a little bit of a joke, but in reality, when it comes down to it, it's actually pretty true. Um, and what it is, it's not that being nice is bad, it's just that, you know, being nice alone, nice alone is kind of, well, like it says in the dictionary, nice alone is kind of boring. I mean, if you don't have other qualities, other adjectives to go along with it, you know, nice by itself is just going to be, it's not something we're going to gravitate to because it's boring and predictable. And we get that throughout our entire lives from anyone. So It's true. And, you know, I, I do want to be around nice people, but, right. you know, it, it's like you said, you know, if I was describing my best friend, I wouldn't simply say she's nice. I would say she's funny and she's engaging and she's outgoing. And there's a million different things that I would right. say to describe her. So, yeah, right. that totally now, makes sense. Yeah. Right. And now the thing of it is, I mean, nice. Okay. Is when we think of a friendship equation or, I mean, just in general, think of what I call because when you're talking about friendships or any kind of relationship, what you're really talking about is an attraction equation. Um, and so think about what attracts you to people. Nice is definitely a part of that. Like, you have to have, you have to be nice. I mean, so nice is a foundation for building the friendship. Like, you're not going to try and build a friendship with someone if they're not nice to you. Um, but right. it's not something that, it's kind of something that we kind of take for granted and we just kind of expect to be there. Um mm-hmm. So we're not necessarily looking for that, you know. That's not right. one of the qualities that's going to stand out and really attract us to people. Um, because we get nice from other people in our lives, like, you know, um, like the barista at Starbucks will be nice to us. Um, or someone, we can get nice from pretty much anyone. Someone who will be nice to us for a period of time, we can find that anywhere. Um, right. So, so basically what you're saying is for. if all they can say about this guy is that he's nice or this person is that they were nice, then the fact of the matter is they probably didn't really know them. And if they didn't they really no know idea. them, right. then, right. you know, probably nobody really knew them. If they can't find right. anybody to say anything other than that person, other than the fact that they were nice, 
Um, right. You know, then probably that person didn't have a lot of friends. And that should be one of our big cues or ideas or suggestions of how we can begin to help these people. Right. Um, you know, if, if they don't have stable relationships, if they, if they don't right. have strong connections, you know, then they're pretty much they're pretty much isolated in their own little world, which is where these deranged thoughts and, and ideas and exactly. concepts can brew. So we're going to exactly. go to break in like 30 seconds. But um, when we come back, I really want to talk to you, Travis, about the social skills uh, training that you're talking about in the schools and how that can benefit our children and even starting at home. Okay. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Get ready to laugh along. With this little parent, stayed home with Ali Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Toginet.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. There's no stopping us. Join host Kalen Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kalen helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kalen for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kalen will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard. Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. 
Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. We are talking with Travis Breeding today, and Travis is the author of I'm a Kid Just Like You. Is that correct, Travis? I'm a Kid Like You? Uh, yes. And yep. uh, there's another book that you wrote. Um, what is there's it? There's six of them now. What is it? The, what is the one about your two books. lives or the two worlds or something? Uh, the Reality of Living Within Two Worlds. Oh, yeah. I like that one, too. I... I I read so many books that like the titles just kind of fly through my head. And, but anyway, um, I love that the, the kids book that you wrote, I love the way it relates, um, Asperger's in a way that kids can understand. And because I was, I was talking to my kids the other day in the car, particularly my 14 year old son, who's neurotypical. My youngest son does have Asperger's. So Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's why I get so, you know, uh, passionate about this topic because, you know, I, I live it, I live it every day and I see this kid and I see what it takes to change behaviors. And it's really not that hard. You know, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's a medicate them. (laughs) You don't have to medicate them. Just talk to them. But anyway, um, I, I was talking to my oldest son about your book and we were talking about, um, there was there was a, a child that had my kids did a current event on this twenty year old girl woman who is trapped in the body of a toddler, and mm-hmm. I was trying to explain it to my kids, and I said it's kind of like the opposite of progeria, and my son right. was like, "What's progeria?" So I told him what progeria mm-hmm. was, and he goes, "I thought that was old timers," and I was like, "Okay, first of all, it's not old timers; it's Alzheimer's, yeah. right?" And I said. Right. The thing that really struck me, Travis, was we spend so much time in our schools talking about things like um, bullying and stuff like that, but we don't do enough training with things like acceptance and understanding, and I think that kids should know that things like progeria are out there because if you see a child with it, you're going to be drawn to, to stare. Um, if you don't know what it is, but if you know what it is, it creates a level of empathy and understanding and it's, it's not so frightening. And I think we spend so much time teaching kids how to identify a bully, but we don't spend that same amount of time teaching kids how to identify things like autism or, um, you know, Down syndrome or progeria. And, you know, I think we've over-labeled the bully and we're trying to hide all these other things because we're scared of them. And I think that's a big piece of why kids are so intolerant. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we've actually, we've over, you know, and and I've kind of dealt with bullies before in my life, but we've kind of over-labeled, overdone the whole bullying defense. Um, so now we think, like in a lot of cases, we think if a kid says something mean, that that's bullying, you know, or we think any little thing is bullying. We think that we're a society, like, we like to label things and we put things in extremes. And so now mm-hmm. if this kid does this, that means he's bullying you, um, which is bad because you might create a, um, and especially in kids who have developmental disabilities, we're going to teach them that anything that happens to them is bullying. Mm-hmm. But then they're going to develop this retaliation, and they're going to retaliate, you know, and they're going to retaliate the same way for a minor thing that they're going to for a major thing. And, we, you know, there's just a problem with the way 
we've just overdone the whole bullying thing. And um, we've got to start, I mean, there are times where, and parents will cringe when I say this, but you got to understand that kids will be kids and teenagers will be teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things are going to happen. But, like, you can't equivalent, you can't label everything as bullying just because something's happening. I mean... Yeah, sometimes like. sometimes it's as sometimes it should be labeled a conflict or an altercation. Right. You know, and you know what, and that I, is you know what that that is the biggest issue I think we face too is we have not there are people who do not have the social skills to resolve conflict. One hundred percent. And that is, and there are even even parents that struggle with that, and adults that struggle with that. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest where you might see kids picking up, we were talking about a little bit on some of this a little bit, but where you might see kids pick up on some things is where mom and dad, they might pick up on their mom and dad's inability to resolve conflict within a marriage. Um, and so, I mean, they're going to learn. They're going to pick up on that stuff. And they're going to respond the way that you do, basically kind of the way you teach them, model it for them. Absolutely. And what, and if you're passionate about something as a parent and you're, you discuss it passionately in front of your child, understand that you are training your child exactly how to respond to situations, similar situations in their own life. You know, absolutely. You know, my husband and I did not, we didn't fight well when we were a young couple. And when our kids were little and we didn't think that they understood what we were saying to each other, we didn't disagree well. We didn't do conflict well. And it wasn't until my three-year-old son walked up to us in the middle of a conflict and said, hey, daddy, are you going to make mommy cry today? You know, and he was not, he, my husband never put his hands on me. Don't misunderstand. I just wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a very emotional person. So when I take something the wrong way or when I get very heated, I cry. <laughs> That's Absolutely. what I do. And so that was what we were, that was how we were teaching our children to do relationships and conflict. And luckily, my husband and I were wise enough in that moment to look at each other and go, we have to stop this. We can't keep right. doing this because obviously they get it. They're, they're learning and understanding what we're doing. So we we changed our language. We changed the way we handle things. We went and we sought help, you know, mm-hmm. because you, not all things, we can't change all things within ourselves, ourselves. What's the quote right. that they say? You can't, you can't change a problem from the same level of consciousness that you created it. Right? Okay. So, Absolutely. And, you know, so I know that you are, are working a lot on getting social skills training into schools to help kids with that. My perspective is I want to get that into the home as well. well what absolutely. does, what does that a, look like for you? I mean, absolutely. It's totally true. It's more of a, like I, like I say in the article I wrote, it's not a certain group's problem. It's really a society problem. Um, and so what you got to do is you got to teach it on all levels from the home to the school to, you know, wherever we're at. And it's really, it's just a, it's a concept. It's a society issue. Um, it's not like the, the, the events that happen, like in Newtown or anywhere, um, you know, Colorado. It's not a, it's not a matter of really a disability or a disorder. Um, but it's what, 
I consider to be a societal problem with, you know, the word nice and how people connect. Um, and it's not, so my goal is I'm not interested in just helping people with autism or I'm not interested in just helping people with a disability. I'm more interested in taking everybody, all people, and teaching everyone how to connect better and to build better friendships and relationships in their life. And how to resolve conflict and how to communicate with respect and integrity, right? Absolutely, because, I mean, that's honestly probably a big, that's a big piece of, of any friendship and relationship um, is that ability to resolve conflict and communicate. Um, because if you cannot communicate effectively, then you're not going to succeed in relationships. Um, and that is where we do see some issues with, um, you know, those of us with autism. Is the not that we're not not that we're not capable of being in relationships or friendships, um, and it's not that we're sort of it's not that we're um, it's not that we don't have other qualities about us that would attract other people to us. I think mm-hmm. you know to build friendships with. It's the fact that the the disorder is the inability to effectively communicate who you are and what those traits are about you that people would like about you, and it's all about the communication. And. And I've noticed with my son and with the, the families that I work with um, that it's it's a matter of seeing things that other people do and realizing is that appropriate in this situation or not. And my, an example, a really good example is my son is going to be 12 years old in February. He had a friend over to play. This is also a 12-year-old boy. When they When the little boy went to leave... My son ran to the door and said, wait, wait, and he hugged him. And I I wanted to say I forgot to give you a hug, but that sounded too much like a scene from Elf, but that's truly what it felt like. It was like, wait, wait, I forgot to give you a hug. And it was really an awkward situation because socially it wasn't appropriate for my son to hug his friend after a play date because that's not what society likes. It makes us people exactly. But for us, it was like that's what we do when we leave. We are a very physically demonstrative family. Mm -hmm. When we leave each other and family members and stuff, we hug each other. That's what we do. So he thought nothing of it, but it was. You're dealing with a you're dealing with a context issue there, though. Um, Mm -hmm. About the context, and that's the biggest thing within the autism community, and you know, for those of us on the spectrum, is. And that's the biggest issue I have is that we've, we're, we're doing a decent job of teaching the technical social skills. I mean, we're teaching our kids to go up and say hi to people. We're teaching them to engage with people. We're teaching them to have conversation. We're teaching them those skills. But what, what a neurotypical professional doesn't realize is that throughout your day and throughout your life, you have to take that technical skill and apply it to hundreds of different contexts in your life and hundreds of different situations. Um, and so, you know, here's an example for you about context. Actually, but if you go, if it's a long example, we're going to have to wait until after the break because we right. only have like 15 seconds. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But, um, I mean, it's just an example of context of, like, I can't interact the same way with you as I would interact with another person because there's a different context to our friendship. Um, and I can get into this more after the break if you want, but it's a matter of... And that's the issue that I have is we've done a great job teaching technical social skills, but we've got to start teaching kids how to apply it to their lives. Exactly. And we will talk about that when we come back from this break. 
Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. to the Travel Chick Show with Bonnie Kitohata. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Bonnie will share with you an hour of travel ideas, experiences, adventures, and tips from her guests. Topics range from local day trips to international excursions, from organized professional vacations to spur-of-the-moment getaways. For fun or business, groups or solo, by bus, car, plane, train, boat, bike, hike, or horse, you'll also hear about travel-related subjects like cultures, travel photography, keepsakes, and more. Whether you love to travel yourself or you enjoy seeing the world vicariously through others, join us and enjoy travel stories from around the U.S. and around the world. For more information on The Travel Chick Show, check out Bonnie's website, thetravelchick.com. Then join us for the show, The Travel Chick Show, live Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, with your host, Bonnie Kitohara, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I am so excited to be talking with Travis Breeding today. He is the author of I'm a Kid Just Like You, and I'm a Child Just Like You. I'm sorry, Travis. It's a mm-hmm. it's an awesome book. Um, before the break, actually, let me just say that if you're listening to the show and you have a comment or a question for Travis or myself, um, you're welcome to give us a call. The number is 877-864-4869. And um, you're welcome to give us a call and join in the conversation if you have something to say or something to share. Um, Travis, before the break, we were talking about context and how um, it's not that kids with Asperger's or autism don't feel things or don't have empathy. It's just that they have trouble reading social cues. Um, uh, like my son has a hard time, had a very hard time with sarcasm. And now right. he actually overdoes it. He's like, he'll be sarcastic and I'll go, 
he'll go, mom, that was sarcasm. And I'm like, yeah, right. buddy, I know. And it was actually very rude. And he'll be like, right. darn it. You know, <laughs> I can't get this. And I'm like, then don't well, do and it. That's the, that's the whole Asperger's mind is the, it's the whole, um, you know, there's no gray areas. It's all black and white. Mm-hmm. So like, we're going like, to tell us we're doing something wrong. We're going to like overcompensate for correcting. And we're going to go to the exact, exact opposite. And, you know, if you think back to even like the example of Newtown, um, and, you know, like I always say, I don't care if it's Asperger's or what it is. This is a kid who had a problem connecting socially with other people. Um, and so if you're constantly getting told you're, you're nice, but I don't like you, you're nice, but you're nice, but you're nice, this, um, you start to think that there's something wrong with you because you're nice. And so then you're going to start to correct it. And in this case, the kid did something entirely completely opposite of nice and as correction. Okay. Um, and so these are kids, these are people who are, um, you know, the getting the help and the interventions that they need to be getting. Right. Um, And so you leave them to correct it on their own and we're going to have huge problems. As we're seeing, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, you have, you tell the best story about um, when you were, you know, getting into the dating scene and you were struggling a little bit because of the whole nice guy syndrome. And I just love that. I would love if you would share that story because it gives an example of context to the listeners, too. Right. Well, it's like I was always told by girls, you're a nice guy, but, or, you know, and I was reading about the concept of how do you get girls? And I found the whole concept about, you know, I bought a bunch of books on how to be the bad boy woman loves. And you know, I would go out to, like, clubs and, like, bars, and I was talking to people. I would watch people interact. And other guys would come up to girls and say things like, hey, bitch, what's up? And the girl would, like, laugh about it, and they would joke back and forth. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but I didn't know this girl, but I thought, well, that's what I should do because that other guy did it. Um, and so I would go up to the same girl, and I'd never even talked to her before, and say, hey, bitch, what's up? <laughs> and that didn't get la- that did not get laughs from her. That got you know dirty looks and slaps in the face um, and things like that. Um, and it's the whole like what I talk about. It's the whole issue of social context. Um, like the person who did that and they laughed about it, they had a totally different context than the person you know than that girl did with me. But having the developmental disability, the delay, that's something that I don't understand and I can't apply that to my life. Like I can't see how that works. Um, and you know, you got a person again, who's trying to help themselves and, you know, stuff like that is going to happen. Wow. And it's so amazing to me because it's not that you didn't want to meet her. It's not that you didn't want to form a relationship with her. It's just that no one had taken into consideration where you struggle and where you need assistance. They just kind of like, they just kind of let you follow the model of your peers without realizing that you're not seeing or absorbing that information in the same way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that is hard to understand, Travis. I mean, I struggle with it. I struggle with it tremendously. I did not understand my son for years because he would break something and I would go, oh, that's great, Alex. Thank you so much for that. And he would look at me quizzically like, really? That was great. I right. can do it again. 
Well, yeah, you're you're great. You're doing a great job of giving positive reinforcement for something that you don't really want to reinforce. <laughs> exactly, so. exactly. And you know, we do talk about ABA therapy, and um, that is something that we went through with our son. And I know that mm-hmm. you have you have some issues with it because it basically reinforces and cements that whole nice guy syndrome. But at the same time, for us, it was reinforcing the behaviors that we wanted to see repeated. So it was kind of a good thing. What's your take on that? And let me me clarify. Like, I don't have issues with ABA. I think ABA is great because we got to teach. Okay, if you got someone with autism, the concept, okay, the work I say nice is a foundation for friendships and anything. Nice is a foundation that has to be there. And part of the problem with autism is sometimes those behaviors aren't there. So we do need to reinforce those, and we do need to make that happen. The issue I have is when we get someone, once we get someone who's not there, we get them functioning at that nice level where they can comply and they can interact in society. Then we have to do more than just the ABA. We have to start teaching them how to form relationships and friendships with people and connect with other people. Because if you just leave it at that, and we just leave it at, you know, oh, we're nice, we're doing great, you're nice, okay? Then... Mm -hmm. That's not basis for friendship. They're not going to be able to build friendships with people just on the fact that they're nice. Um, and, you know, part of what happens is we just have to have a smoother transition because what happens is they get all that reinforcement as kids growing up from their parents and from the ABA people, ABA therapists. They get all kinds of positive reinforcement for being nice. But what you do not get in real adult relationships, you do not get positive reinforcement for being nice. And adult relationships. Give me an example, so, Travis. I mean, it's just like, you know, typically, I mean, nobody's going to sit there and give you rewards because you're nice to a 25-year-old adult to someone, typically. I mean, you don't get that. It's just a different, we're, we're, we're kind of misleading them and teaching them that if you're nice, people like, because um, that's kind of what the concept yeah. is. Like, I remember... In high school, I remember thinking, I'll be all right. I'll have tons of friends because I'm nice. Because that was kind mm-hmm. of what I learned from parents, you know, from not necessarily from parents, but from just from other people, society. Everyone was always like, you're so nice. You're so nice. And that was like, as a kid, it's like they're telling you it's a good thing. Um, it is, a, And it is a good thing. It's just that it's not like people got to understand that there's more to the puzzle than nice. I mean... Right. That's what we're missing for a lot of our a lot of people is there's more to it than just being nice. And the one thing that I really can relate to and what really screams out for me is we we as the adults are taking our son and my clients through ABA the ABA process. And what right. we're doing, our goal is to get them to behave and to listen to us. That's our only goal. So as adults, from our 30,000-foot view of that child, as adults, taking them through ABA and having them behave themselves and be polite and be compliant, yay, we've done our job. But what we haven't done is we – right. But what we haven't done is we haven't realized that their friends or their potential friends aren't looking for compliance from them. Right. They're looking for and others. Also, they're looking for something richer. They're looking for communication. They're looking for fun. They're looking. Meaning. They maybe looking they like meaning. that spontaneity. Hmm? Right. I mean, they're looking for meaning, and like, 
nice is great. It's like I said, it's just the foundation. Like you're not going to have, if you ask someone, what is the most meaningful part about your friendship with someone? The first thing they're going to tell, they're not going to say, Oh, the most meaningful thing is that they're nice to me. That's not, no, they're going to say the most important thing is that I can talk to them or I can tell them anything or that they understand me. And when we're teaching a child to simply be obedient we're not teaching Absolutely. them the communication and relationship skills well, that they're going to need when they get older. Right. And let me ask you a question. Like you yes. kind of the way you said it and not to put you on spot or anything, but as a parent, let me ask you a question. You're getting your child ABA therapy and you said that you were doing it to get them to comply with the behaviors and to listen and to be respect you know, and to listen to you and that type of thing. Okay, so yes. let me ask you, whose needs are you really addressing? by help trying to get him ABA. Whose need is it for you to have your child listen to you? Mine and his teachers. Right, right. Now, what about that? Um, what about that to him and his understanding? How mm-hmm. is that his need, you know? Absolutely, um, Travis. And, you know, and through this conversation with you, that has really hit me like a lightning bolt. Right, I am, I'm not meeting any of his social needs. Absolutely. We think we are, but we're not. And absolutely. What happens is, for example, this is one thing I've learned that's helped me. For example, if I'm being clingy with someone, like if I'm over texting, you're like talking to them too much and they tell me something like, you need to stop doing that. It's always you. It's always when we're trying to correct behavior, it's always you need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing this. But in reality, in my brain, I do need to be doing that. And so what I need a person to say for me to understand it is like, if I'm being clingy with you, I'm texting you too much. I need you to say something like, I need you to stop being clingy for me because it's my need. It's your, I mean, it's really your need, not mine. You know, does that make sense? I Um, love that so much, Travis. It's, and you know what? Here's the thing. We do it in, we do it in social skills training for neurotypical people too. So, you know, we, we tell people when you're in a conflict or when you're in a disagreement or if you're in an argument, you need to, um, you need to put it into the I perspective instead of the you perspective because the you perspective is attacking and assumptive. So, Absolutely. You, assuming, I should Well, say. and really what but, it is is honestly, if you're, if you're, and someone with Asperger's autism, you're kind of, if you tell me, like, for example, if you say, you need to stop texting me so much because you're clingy, like, to me, you're lying to me because in my mind, I do need to, I do need to text you that much. <laughs> um, don't so tell I don't me what I need. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. So it's kind of like, like I just do so much better in my friendships if they are very honest with me and be like, you know what, I need you to stop doing this. Um, I love that. Then, and I really want I people it. to understand how important that is. Uh, Travis, that's a great tip. And you're going to give us a three to five more tips that parents can use to help their kids with communication and understanding when we come back to this break. The self-proclaimed queen of accountability loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. 
people have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years. And now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We are in the final stretch of a great show with my guest, Travis Breeding. Travis is the author of several books, but um, two of the ones that I am talking about right today is are I'm a Child Just Like You and uh, The Reality of Living Within Two Worlds. Travis, I want to make sure that everybody has the ability to connect with you, um, check out your websites and your books and those sort of things, too. Um, I, I love the way you say, I don't want to be known as a guy with autism. I want to be known as a guy who's doing something awesome with autism. And you are such a valuable resource for parents and, and educators and kids, you know, who are trying to find out more about autism and, and how they can help and support the people in their lives that have it. And um, I know that you have a Facebook page, which is Travis Breeding, B-R-E-E-D-I-N-G. Do you, and you also have a web uh, a, a website as well, right? Right. Yeah, just travisbreeding.com. Okay, so it's just travisbreeding.com. That's great. Um, there's several things that you have put out there, the, um, the Autism Social Thinking and Context Guide, um, the reality of living within two worlds helps people to understand it. I would love to, because we're talking about, you know, social skills training and, um, mm-hmm. you know, how it goes so much beyond just teaching our kids to be obedient and compliant and nice um, because there's right. so much more to life and that sort of thing. So what are what are a couple of suggestions that you give to parents, whether it's parents of children with autism or parents of neurotypical kids, you know, do you have some, some ideas or suggestions that people can take away from the show and, you know, start working on in their homes? Right. Well, first of all, I'm glad you uh, phrased that in two different questions. Um, 
because I'm going to kind of change that thinking a little bit. Um, you asked me, do I have any suggestions for parents of children with autism or parents of neurotypical kids? And my advice isn't for any particular group. It's for all. Um, and so, for example, this is going to kind of throw people for a loop a little bit, but I want parents of children with autism to stop saying, how can I help my child with autism? But I just mm -hmm. want them to instead say, just like a neurotypical parent would, how can I help my child? period, learn how to connect better, that type of thing. Um, and the problem is, in some cases, we've come up with all these great ideas, and a lot of the social skills groups that we see done by, you know, psychologists or, you know, even in schools, are built upon the fact of helping specifically children with autism um, connect. And what I've found is I've done better, I've learned better, and I do have Asperger's, um, but I've done better with the approach of learning from someone who's got social skills programs that are designed just to help people in general. Um, and they aren't necessarily just designed specifically for people with autism. Um, and like a great example would be if you, there's a website called socialblindness.com. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really designed just to help anyone who's got, you know, social skills issues or is shy or, you know, just wants to be more outgoing. And the reason why it works better, like it works better for me to learn from someone who is neurotypical than it does to work with a psychologist or someone who is for the purpose of helping someone with autism. Because what happens is you're going you're gonna to teach and you're going to reinforce. You're going to take my autism social skills and you're just going to try and make my autism social skills better. But mm -hmm. in reality, what I want is to kind of learn the neurotypical social skills. Um, and so what I've found is, to me, a better approach to helping me, and I would imagine many with autism, would be, to just stop approaching of how can we help someone with autism, but just say how can we how do we help someone learn how to connect better in general, um, and that's I love that. me, that's been kind of the biggest thing for me, um, yeah. and you know it's just it's a different concept, but and it's one that it's just we have a hard time getting the medical community and the insurance communities to accept, but the real social skills coaching is because you know I'm high functioning, okay. I mm -hmm. want to be out with the neurotypicals, and I want to be out doing stuff like they do. I don't want to be neurotypical, but I want to be able to do some of the things that they do, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and so for me, if you write a treatment plan for me, and it doesn't include social skills coaches going out with me on Friday and Saturday nights at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night, where um, you know people my age are out socializing, that treatment plan's worthless because it ain't, isn't going to address any of my needs at all. And that's your laboratory, honestly, Travis. Your 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 therapy chair is more at your age is more of a pub chair than it is a, a couch, you know, in a therapist's right. office. Because that's not the going in and talking to a therapist. First of all, I loved what you said in one of your posts on Facebook when where you said that um, they're always trying to fix you. I don't believe right. you're broken. I don't believe any of these kids are broken. And furthermore, how many of these children are struggling socially because they haven't been diagnosed? So Absolutely. I, I love that you just take this broad brush and just paint the whole world with this, this really broad brush because it's capturing everybody in all situations. I deal with kids who have Asperger's-like symptoms and, you know, Asperger's like behaviors, but they aren't diagnosed right. with Asperger's. So, right. you know, and really, like, that's how do you reach that kid? Society is we label things. Um, 
And, like, yeah, I mean, some people do have autism. That's great. But, like, I think we've over, <laughs> in some cases, we kind of over-labeled it. Um, because, believe me, there are a lot of people that don't have a diagnosis that have a lot of the social awkwardness and have a lot of the symptom of it. But aren't Absolutely. Um, and the thing of it is, really, when it comes down to it, is if you think back, you know, 50 years ago, even 20, 80 years ago, people like me existed. They just didn't have the label. Um, 100% right. And, you know, and so the issue is we just have to learn how to help people in general learn how to connect and make friendships and build those relationships. You know, it's funny, Travis, because when I wrote my book, Stop Raising Einstein, I didn't write it for an autistic child. I wrote it. Right. I wrote it for all children to get parents and kids communicating on a deeper level and understanding one another on a deeper level. Right. And, you know, that was basically the skills that we teach week by week in Stop Raising Einstein are basically social skills, integrity, Absolutely. intention, you know, communication with respect and, you know, Absolutely. giving. So it just so happens that it had a tremendous impact on my autistic son and got him to the point where they wanted to, to remove his IEP because he was functioning so well right, as a result right. of that communication. But it wasn't written for him. And I think if I had written it specifically for him, it wouldn't have had the same result. It would have failed. I mean, it wouldn't have yeah. been successful. And that's the problem that we don't realize. And I got to tell you, I had a great time last week. I went to Cleveland, Ohio and presented um, for the Autism Society there. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm just different than a lot of people that are out there presenting on autism because, um, you know, it's like I come from that approach, like where I was just talking about, where I want to approach it as helping neurotypical people and just helping everyone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people out there are just so, I don't know how to explain it, like they're just more about, well, this is how I want to learn, teach you how to live with autism and be successful with autism, which is great for some people. But there are a lot of people who are on the higher functioning side of things that, you know, don't fit into that category. Um, like, for example, I just don't relate to, like, I, I love Temple Grandin. I think she's awesome. But, like, if I heard her present, I'd be bored out of my mind. Like, I don't relate to anything, you know, that she, you know, her life experiences are totally different. And her outcomes in life, what she wants in her life mm -hmm. is totally different than what I want in my life, you know. And that's so funny because I spoke for <laughs> I spoke for an autism society where the keynote speaker literally said, you're going to love this, Travis. People with autism communicate better with other people with autism. It's kind of like dolphins communicating with one another. And I thought, right, right. oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I disagree <laughs> with that completely. And see, that's kind of the approach. And I don't know why it's become that way. Maybe it's because it's been easier for some of those people to just kind of stray away from trying to interact with neurotypicals. Um, but I honestly communicate a lot better with neurotypicals than I do other people with autism. I don't know it, why. It's, be but. it's because a lot of the people that are coaching and, and providing therapy for autism aren't autistic themselves, Travis. And neurotypical right. people want to find commonality. We gravitate towards groups of right. people that are like us. So if we can label our children and say our children are alike in this way and that's why we should hang out together, that's what we want to do. Right, exactly. So, so what is something that I know we're, we've got like three minutes left in the show and we haven't given anybody. I think we've given everybody a ton of information, but I would love to give parents three like, is there, 
is there like a, a process that parents can do with their kids? I know, you know, when my kids come home from school, I don't ask them, how was your day? I ask them, you know, three questions. What was your favorite part of today? What was something new that you learned today? And what's something that you would change if you could? And those are right. just like open-ended questions that I ask to both of my kids. And, you know, right. I get very different answers. But what's something that you would add to that or something that you would suggest to parents to help them with their ch- child to try to t- develop a strong friendship if they have a child? Um, yeah, I mean, just be kind of questions like that. Um, ask a lot of open-ended questions, but also be very careful in teaching them how they're going to ask their friends those open-ended questions. For example, like the questions you asked, and the reason you just made me think of this, um, in a lot of adult relationships, like the conversation has to flow naturally. And so like what happens with me a lot is I've kind of learned some of those same concepts that you were just talking about. But because I've kind of learned it, it's come, it comes across as kind of like, uh, like robotic in a sense. And so when mm-hmm. I'm asking people questions, I get the feedback a lot of times, well, it feels like you're drilling me or you're just like giving me a survey or something. Um, and that's where I'm talking about the whole concept of technical social skills are great, but we have to know how to apply them. Um, and so do that, ask your kids those questions, but try and do it in a natural way to where it's not... I don't know how to explain it. It's like you're kind of trying to prompt them for right. um, Don't make it feel like 20 questions. Just make it feel like a conversation. Right. And it's very hard to do. I'm um, very, very hard to do. Um, it's just like, because what happens, I think, a lot for me is that because I'm trying so hard to do that exact thing that you're doing, you're trying so hard to connect with your kid. And so I'm trying so hard to connect with my friend like that and get them to give me information but it comes across oh. as un- it's unnatural, and it has to yeah. be natural somehow. Um, thank you. We have issue. to wrap up this. We have to wrap up the show. But I want to thank you so much, Travis. And I Thanks think, in a nutshell, just be natural and talk Einstein. to your kids and your start that communication. That's the most important thing you can do. Have a great week, everyone, and keep playing. Love unconditionally. Give freely. Laugh openly. Learn daily. Grow immensely. And of course. 